Hi there, and welcome back to Out There, a cryptid podcast. I'm your host, Josh. Each week I come out with a new episode focused on a cryptid that I find super fascinating and weird. And if you still don't know what a cryptid is, it is defined as an animal that has been claimed to exist but never proven to exist. Cryptids don't have to be supernatural or mythical beings, although many of them are. Some cryptids have actually become documented animals. Make sure you go and follow the podcast on Instagram, at OutThereCryptids, and check out the posts I make for each episode and maybe send some suggestions you'd like to hear. As a reminder, we abandoned the road trip series because things were becoming less cryptidy and more urban legendy. But today's episode is about a creature that dwells in the swamps and riverbeds of Australia. It has been a part of Australian Aboriginal lore since its conception well over a hundred thousand years ago. But even to this day, there is so much mystery surrounding this cryptid. This week, we are talking about the bunyip. There's no Weird Club segment today, so you'll have to put up with just me again. <laughs> Let's dive in. Bunyip is known by many different names. Tantabun, Mulyankwa, Milgiwonk, Katanpai, and more. This creature comes from the indigenous Australians, or Aboriginal people. They talked of a large beast that was taking villagers and terrifying all of Australia. Some stories have described Bunyip as a river spirit that is likely to gobble up children and livestock when they wander too close to the water's edge, while others say it's a feathered serpent, a swimmer with a dog's head and the flippers of a whale, and even a gopher. There really is no clear description of what this creature looks like, or even what it can do for that matter. And there might be a reason for these discrepancies. But to understand that, we have to do a little history lesson on Australia. First off, Australia is the big island down under Asia. You know, the land of kangaroos, Steve Irwin, shrimp on the bobby, and also possibly bunyip. It is believed that humans have lived in Australia as early as 65,000 years ago. They are believed to be the oldest continuous civilization on Earth which is supported by archaeological evidence. Now, there's another group of people that is believed to be original Australians as well, and they are known as the Torres Strait Islanders, because they came from the islands of the Torres Strait between Cape York in Queensland and Papua New Guinea. Between these native groups, there are two prominent religions. There's one called the Dreamtime, or also known as the Dreaming, an organization called World Vision described it as a general term used to describe the complex network of aboriginal spiritual beliefs, creations, and existence on Earth. This worldview encompasses the past, present, and future, and details the ways in which the land and the people were created by spirits, who made the rivers, streams, watering holes, hills, rocks, plants, and animals. This knowledge is passed down through generations, through different stories, songs, dances, and ceremonies. This forms parts of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders' culture and provides a vital context for ongoing relationships, kinship, responsibilities, and looking after the country. The Torres Strait Islanders have a religion or belief system called the Tagi. World Vision says the stories of the Tagi reflects the stars and describes the Torres Strait Islanders as sea people. The Tagi is the spiritual belief system that connects people to the order of the world, stating that everything has its place. Either way, both beliefs had a strong connection to the land and all of its creations, which is important because that would include 
a giant people-eating river monster. But moving along, British settlers came in on August 23rd, 1770, and as all settlers did, they claimed the land as theirs. It actually wasn't until January 1st of 1901 when Australia became independent from the British Empire. But before that, there were over 500 different clan groups or nations around the continent, many with distinctive cultures, beliefs, and languages. And with that, there were 250 languages spoken in Australia, which explains different accounts of Bunyip. Now, this cryptid has been described in many, many different ways. Some stories described it as a feathered serpent with a long neck and a sharp beak of a bird, while some say it is a swimmer with a dog's head and the flippers of a whale. Then other descriptions include having the body of a calf or a seal and the head of a dog with long fangs and sharp claws. What all these descriptions do have in common is the fact that it is between four and five feet in length, and that it lives in rivers, lakes, spillabongs, and many other bodies of water throughout Australia, including South Wales, Victoria, and Australian Capital Territory. However, there is a native drawing that was found in the Moray River area in 1848. It's a native cave drawing that shows a large animal, which is either covered in scales or feathers. It has long teeth and what looks like hooved feet. Cryptozoologists believe that this is what people were seeing throughout Australia for over 200 years. The word Bunyip is Wurjayan, a language spoken in southeastern Australia that translates to devil or evil spirit. Then in the 1850s, the word was also used as a way of saying imposter or pretender. And then, in 1853, Bunyip was used to describe Australian aristocrats. And when the 1990s came around, the word described the members of the conservative Liberal Party of Australia's opposition. So, we see how famous this cryptid is, but also how deeply rooted it is within society. But back to the cryptid. It has also been called Canpreti and Wowie, which is similar to Yowie, the Bigfoot of Australia. But some believe that the name Bunyip came from the word Bunnil, which is Victorian-era Aborigines, and it means supreme being. And there's a legend that would back this theory up. The story began with a man from the Wajiri tribe. This man broke one of the most sacred rules. He ate one of his totem animals, and it is said to eat your totem animal is the same as if you were to eat your very own flesh, or that of your father. So when the man did this, he broke the Rainbow Serpent's greatest law, and was banished. Bami, the good spirit, sent this man away, never to return to the tribe. He had to pay for his crime. Well, the man turned into this evil spirit who is said to have lured tribesmen and livestock into the waterways where he could eat them. He was described as a four-legged beast with milky white matted fur and a big bull head with large eyes. He is said to prowl the land looking for wrongdoers. Oh, and the man's name was Bunyip. The Wajiri tribe lived in New South Wales, which is in the southeast part of the country. They believed in totemism, which is a system of beliefs in which humans are said to have kinship or mystical relationships with a spirit being, such as an animal or plant. 
And there are different variations when it comes to regions and time periods, but the biggest rule is to not harm your totem animal in any way, shape, or form. But what is interesting is how powerful the connection is between a person and their animal. Apparently, by singing, for instance, the medicine man can send out his totem animal to kill an enemy. The animal is said to enter the chest of the enemy and devour their vesera. But Bunyip is believed to have some supernatural abilities. Witnesses claim that they felt like it was drawing them in against their will. People say that there are booming noises and loud roars when the creature is nearby. Now, there are many documented sightings, but most of them occurred in the 1800s, so there's no photo evidence. But there is a ton of witnesses with detailed stories of their accounts. But I want to start with some of the original legends that may have come earlier than the 1800s. One of the native legends of the Bunyip is a story about a creature that lurks in the water with its glowing red eyes. It was stalking a woman who went to fetch water from the river at night. While she was reaching her container into the water, the beast rose up out of the water, tearing off her arm. Her village went to look for her the next morning, but when they got back to the river, they couldn't find her, not even her body. All they found was a bloody black and red feather. Now, this story makes the bunyip seem like it is covered in feathers, which is plausible because the original cave drawing depicts it as either having feathers or scales. We don't get a lot of insight into the creature's mind or process in this story, but there is another one that may give us a little more answers. The story begins with a young boy taken by a bunyip in the middle of the night from his village. This village referred to its bunyip as the old fellow because it was there before the village, and they seem to know it pretty well. So the old fellow brings the boy to its cave. A brave, respected man from the village decides that he must go and find the boy and bring him back. So he decided he will go and save them. Before he dives into the water, though, he rubs dead body fat all over himself. Now, this wasn't really explained, but my best guess is that it masked the smell of humans so that the creature wouldn't be able to smell him coming. The man then dives into the water to find the cave. When he gets there, he performs a sort of ritual, where he waves feathers and sings, which puts the bunyip to sleep. And once the beast was asleep, the man grabbed the boy and brought him back to the village. So, I think the biggest piece of evidence we get from this story is the fact that bunyip was there before the native people were. Keep that in mind, because when we talk about possible explanations, it'll come in handy. Now, let's move into the timeline of bunyip. Our first stop comes with some actual evidence that may prove this cryptid is real. 1818, Lake Bathurst in New South Wales. Two explorers named Hamilton Hume and James Mahan made a discovery that put their names in the history books for forever. The pair discovered large bones in the lake. They described them as indicating the creature as very large, like a hippopotamus or manatee, but they couldn't prove it was either one of those two. It looked very similar, but not identical. Then the Philosophical Society of Australia offered to pay for all expenses for Hume to find and bring them back a specimen of the unknown animal. But Hume did not return to the lake for various reasons. So, a possible skeleton of Bunyip? I mean, 
that is more evidence than we get from basically all of the other cryptids we have covered. And it was similar, but unlike any animal they had seen before. Oh, and the main reason for Hume not going back was because he was on another expedition for the governor of New South Wales to find new grazing land in the south of the colony, and also to find an answer to the mystery of where New South Wales' western rivers flowed. It wasn't anything sketchy like I thought at first, but anyway, this was the first time people started to believe in this cryptid. I mean, bones don't lie, which brings us to the next major discovery. Fossilized bones were found in the Wellington Caves during the mid-1830s by an explorer named Thomas Mitchell. The fossil was of some quadruped much larger than an ox or buffalo. Now, if you are recalling the original cave drawing, this seems to fit the description of these bones. Then, Sydney's Reverend John Dunmore Lang came out and said that this proved the biblical accounts of the Great Flood, but everyone kind of brushed that off. <laughs> What was more important was the fact that some settlers observed that all natives throughout these districts had a tradition of a very large animal, having at one time existed in the large creeks and rivers, and most believed the animals still existed. Now, we have not one, but two fossils of what could possibly be the bunyip, and all the while people were claiming to have their own encounters with living bunyips. 1830s. A steamboat called the Sophia Jane was making her way down a river when the captain of the ship saw something in the water. When he gets a better look, he can see it is unlike anything he had seen before. It was large, covered in dark wet skin. The captain went to shoot the creature, hoping it was the bunyip, but other crew members and passengers on board warned him not to do so. They claimed that if he shot the creature, he would die. He doesn't heed their advice and shoots whatever was in the water. To everyone, it looked like he really did kill the beast, but he was unable to recover the body. Then, later that week, the captain becomes very sick. His whole body is covered with oozing blisters. And then, exactly two weeks after he shot Bunyip, he died. So this story plays into the supernatural side of this cryptid, but it also could be from the original origin story of Bunyip, being a native turned evil spirit. There were more sightings from even before this one though. In 1821, a man named E.S. Hall spotted a creature with jet black hair early one morning in a marsh running into Lake Bathurst South in New South Wales. And only five years later, a group of settlers near Narandera claims to have seen Bunyip crawling out of the lagoon. According to their account, the creature had dark hair. And then a year after this one, the Bunyip was spotted again in Dalby, described as having the head of a seal, a fish-like tail, and one small fin and one large fin. So one thing that I think we should really take into account is the fact that a ton of these sightings included dark or black hair or fur or skin. And in one of the native legends, the black feather was found. I feel that we can somewhat confidently say that Bunyip has something dark covering the creature. We still don't have enough physical descriptions to be sure, but I think we are getting a clearer picture of what this cryptid could really look like. But up to this point, the legend and stories of Bunyip were just spread by word of mouth until a new set of fossils were found and a newspaper 
decided to take the leap of faith. July 1845. The Galong Advertiser came out with a headline that said, Wonderful Discovery of a New Animal. The article went on to say, On the bone being shown to an intelligent man, he at once recognized it as belonging to the bunyip, which he declared he had seen. On being requested to make a drawing of it, he did, without hesitation. It went on to tell the story of the native woman by the river who was killed by the bunyip, but then it also had a witness who survived an attack. The man named Mum Brown showed several deep wounds on his breast made by the claws of the animal, and then he told his story, and this was his description. The bunyip, then, is represented as uniting the characteristics of a bird and of an alligator. It has a head resembling an emu with a long bill, at the extremity of which is a transverse projection on each side, with serrated edges like the bone of the stingray. Its body and legs partake of the nature of the alligator. The hind legs are remarkably thick and strong, and the forelegs are much longer, but still have great strength. The extremities are furnished with long claws, but the people say its usual method of killing its prey is by hugging it to death. When in the water, it swims like a frog, and when on shore, it walks on its hind legs, with its head erect, in which position it measures 12 or 13 feet in height. Other newspapers around Australia featured this story in their papers as well. This was the first time that the term bunyip was used in a written publication, so this description is all over the place. I mean, I can't even get a mental image of what this man was describing. However, it does fit with other descriptions of the creature. And I have to say, I love that hugging it to death was the way he described how it kills things. That is like the least threatening way to phrase it, but you know, maybe the bunyip just needs a hug. Anyway, moving along the timeline, there is another pretty big moment. So, in 1846, a skull was found by a settler from the banks of the Burumbigee River near Balranel, New South Wales. When the man showed it to experts, they suggested that it was the skull of something unknown to science. But when the man showed it to different native tribes, they said it was a bunyip. The skull is in the Instagram post, and I honestly don't even know how to describe it. It looks like a cyclops creature, with the bottom jaw being much larger than the top. So, by, the Ju by July of 1847, more experts came in and said, we know what it is. And it was identified as the skull of a deformed fowl or calf. But the skull was put on display in the Australian Museum in Sydney, and it was a major hit, and it allowed people to come forward with their own sightings, many of which used the term Kin Preti, which is another known name of this cryptid. One of the people that came forward was a young shepherd who claimed to have seen the creature. He described it saying it was dark brown with a long neck and a pointed head. The creature had large ears with that visibly moved when he made a noise. But when the creature turned, the man saw it had large tusks and a long mane. After the creature had been gone a long while, he went to find the creature's tracks in the mud. He described the tracks as broad and square. Then in this same year, the creature was seen alive and well. And 
by a large group of people. March of 1847. The story came out that a bunyip, or an immense platypus, was seen sunning itself in the Yarra River, just across from the Custom House in Melbourne. A crowd gathered to get a look at the creature. Three men even got into their boat and tried to get a closer look, but they were unable to secure the stranger, and when they got about a yard away from it, it just disappeared into the river. Now, when it comes to large group sightings, I do think it's kind of a double-edged sword. On one hand, you've got multiple people, which inherently builds credibility. But in that same sense, you've got a little bit of a mass hysteria situation. It's tricky, but either way, Bunyip's story isn't over yet. In 1852, an escaped convict named William Buckley came out with a biography about his life. He talked about when he was living with the Watharong people for 30 years. He heard many stories of the Bunyip and may have even seen one for himself. He said, in Lake Mudawari, or Matawar, as well as in most of the others inland, is a very extraordinary amphibious animal, which the natives call Bunyip. I could never see any part except the back, which appeared to be covered with feathers of a dusk gray color. It seemed to be about the size of a full-grown calf. I could never learn from any of the natives that they had seen either the header or tail. He then emphasized the bunyip was believed to have supernatural powers. So we hear the same kind of creature over and over again, which I think means that these people are seeing something. What it is, I can't tell yet. Now, we are almost to the end of the sighting, but like I said, it was mainly seen in the 1800s. In 1852, a quick incident happened where a man named Charles Headlam was rowing across Great Lake in Tasmania when the boat almost collided with a bunyip before it swam away. But then in 1857, we get a pretty detailed experience with not one, but multiple different bunyips. 1857. An article comes out in the Sydney Gazette with the title, The Bunyip. With it is a sketch made by a man named Edwin Stockweller, who traveled on the Moray and Goulburn rivers. The article reads, Amongst the latter drawings, we noticed a likeness of the bunyip, or rather a view of the neck and shoulders of the animal. Stockweller describes the creature as a large freshwater seal having two small paddles or fins attached to the shoulders, a long swan-like neck, a head like a dog, and a curious bag hanging under the jaw, resembling the pouch of a pelican. He says that it is covered in glossy black hair, like the platypus. And then he talked about his sightings. He saw no less than six of these creatures at different times. One incident he explained was when his boat came within 30 feet of one near McGurry's punt on the Goulburn. He shot at the creature, but was unable to capture it. He said there was a difference in size between the ones he saw. The smallest one appeared to be about 5 feet in length, and the largest exceeding 15 feet. He went on to say that the head of the largest was the size of a bullock's head, and 3 feet out of the water. These creatures moved against the current at a rate of about 7 miles an hour. Stockweller made a sketch of what he saw and showed it to people from the Goulburn tribe. They said it was Bunyip's brother. What they meant was that it was very similar to what Bunyip looks like. 
After this article comes out, Stockweller wrote a letter claiming he never described the creature like that, nor did he ever call it Bunyip. He said that it did not have a swan-like neck, and he never said anything about the size of the animal, as he never saw the whole body. He then included that he had finished an almost life-size portrait of the beast. It took him four years to complete and was apparently about a mile long and made up of 70 individual pictures. Sadly, the diorama has long since disappeared and may no longer exist. Now, it's unclear which one of the Bunyip sketches are his, but I've included the most popular ones in the Instagram post for the episode. The last recorded sighting of the creature was in 1890 when a local in New South Wales claimed to have seen Bunyip with white fur near a lagoon. He said he shot the creature, and when the bullet impacted, it made a loud grunt before disappearing into the lagoon. And that was it. Okay, so now let's get into possible explanations. Let's start with perhaps this is just a fairy tale or a piece of Australian mythology. There have been numerous tales of Bunyip in different media forms, from written literature to video games, from as early as the 19th century. I mean, Bunyip is even in the new Godzilla King of the Monsters movie, because it's a part of the titans that they are monitoring. Some believe that Bunyip is something similar to a boogeyman story, or a way to protect people from the known dangerous animals living in the waters. And then, the country took the legend and holds it with pride. I mean, there's even a statue of the character Alexander Bunyip from the monsters that ate Canabera in front of the Gengelin Library. Plus, there was a ragtime musical written in 1916 featuring Bunyip. So perhaps it's a lovable fairy tale that Australians have now taken pride in. Let's get into some other categories. For example, maybe it's misidentified known animal. All right, so some believe that people were seeing saltwater crocodiles and thinking it was an unknown monster. This species of crocodiles have been alive for over 200 million years. They are literally living dinosaurs. They have a lifespan of about 70 years and can grow up to 2,200 pounds and 17 feet in length. Now, yes, that is definitely a monster, but it seems like native people would have known what a crocodile looked like because the animals have been there before people were. Plus, they are very aggressive and do see humans as prey, so Aboriginal people would definitely know to stay away from them. There are a lot of different legends surrounding crocs, but I think it's unlikely that this was, or is, Bunyip. Now, this is another one that I think we can rule out immediately, but some other people think they are seeing platypi, or platypuses. I'm pretty sure we can rule it out because of the fact that it only weighs 3 pounds and it grows to 20 inches in length. Although they are funky looking creatures, I doubt people are mistaking a monster for this cute little thing. So these next two are actually plausible theories that I, I could be persuaded on. Could Bunyip really have been a seal? Some scientists have suggested that this whole cryptid comes from a time when seals made their ways into the rivers of Australia. Now, if you've ever seen a seal walk, it does look odd. Plus, they do have a very loud yell or scream that could be what people reported Bunyip sounding like. And some seals do have black fur, like a lot of the witnesses have described. There are six species that sometimes call Australia home. There's the Australian sea lion, the New Zealand fur seal, the leopard seal, the sub-Antarctic fur seal, the Australian fur, fur seal, and the southern elephant seal. But two of them stand out as possible culprits. 
So the Australian fur seal is the largest of the world's fur seals. It weighs up to 650 pounds. Now, their fur is mainly brown, but when wet, it gets so dark that it could be mistaken for black. Plus, it is like the platypus's skin, which one witness described it as. The same goes for the southern elephant seal, and they might be an even more likely culprit since they can weigh up to one ton. Now, seals aren't usually known to be dangerous to humans, although a leopard seal has been known to have killed at least one person, usually these animals mind their own business. But if threatened, they will protect themselves or their herd. And for people who have never seen a seal before, they do look like strange creatures. I mean, they are basically half dog, half dolphin, or whale. Plus, seal fossils have been found from as early as 30 million years ago. But there is another odd-looking creature that sounds very similar to Bunyip. It's called the dugong. They are referred to as sea cows and are relatives of the Florida manatees. They can grow to a maximum length of 13 feet long and weigh about 400 pounds. Now, they are vegetarians and called sea cows because they use their strong upper lips to graze on sea grasses they uproot from the seafloor. They are believed to have been around for as long as 60 million years. Plus, experts believe that these animals are where the concept of mermaids came from. So we already know that early people saw these creatures as something abnormal or cryptid-like. They are, however, about as harmless as an animal of their size could possibly be. They are actually known as one of the most peaceful creatures on Earth. So even if this was what people were seeing, there's no way they were killing humans or posing any real threat to them. Now, we are getting close to my theory, but we just have a few more things to go over. Maybe Bunyip was a species that was believed to have gone extinct. It should be said, however, that a lot of higher forms of mammals never reached Australia due to the land bridge from Asia breaking apart about 50 million years ago. However, there was one prehistoric creature that some believe looks very similar to what people are describing this cryptid as. It's called the Diprotodon. They were a gigantic marsupial, believed to have lived in Australia about 2 million years ago. They were primarily land mammals, but were believed to sometimes have been found in a lake or watercourse. And they supposedly went extinct about 50,000 years ago due to climate change in Australia. Now, they looked like gigantic wombats, about the size of a rhino, which is all fitting Bunyip pretty well. And no one really knows what skin color they had or fur because we just have bones. Plus, they could have been covered in feathers since scientists now believe dinosaurs didn't have scales. Now, you remember those bones that explorers were finding, right? Well, the, the British anatomist, Sir Richard Owen, identified the fossils as the gigantic marsupials. So they were already being mistaken for Bunyip. I mean, could native people have been seeing the last few remaining of these of their species, it would explain why there are no more sightings of this cryptid. Which brings us to the end. Maybe Bunyip is a real creature that has never been proven to exist. A lot of the intriguing reports came from around Lake George and Lake Bathurst, both of which were sacred places to the aboriginal people of the area. And not only that, but both are near the Australian Capital Territory, which was known as the place for sightings of other cryptids like alien big cats, Yowie, and the Queensland Tiger. So 
What if Australia is home to some strange creatures not proven by science yet? I mean, think about it. If someone was explaining a platypus to you or even a kangaroo, I mean, we know Australia and even New Zealand for their wonderful and weird animals. Maybe Bunyip is just another one that hasn't been added to the list yet. I have to say, when I first started writing this episode, I thought this cryptid was either fake or a misidentification, but now I'm not sure. I mean, I think the seal theory is plausible, but so is the duong theory. I also do think the diprotodon could be the answer as well. But there's no way so many people came forward with similar sightings of something as well known as a crocodile. So, what do you think? Is Bunyip really out there? We are on Instagram, at OutThereCryptids, so make sure to follow us and tell us all of your thoughts on the cryptids we cover and what you'd like to hear next. It would mean a lot to us if you go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. It's a great way for others to find the podcast and enjoy, just like you. One week from today, I will be covering perhaps the most famous alien abduction case in American history, The Hill Abduction. See you next week. This episode was written and hosted by me, Josh, with logo design by Jason Zykes and theme music from purpleplanet.com.